Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with William Vaughn, Director of Technology Transfer at the Colorado School of Mines. Will has been with the Colorado School of Mines for over 13 years and is responsible for protecting, marketing, and licensing of all inventions created by the faculty and staff at the university. Prior to his time at the Colorado School of Mines, Will was a business development manager at Ohio State University. Prior to his time at Ohio State, Will was an executive assistant for science and technology at the office of the governor in the state of Ohio. Will has a BA in chemistry from Marietta College, a MS in organic chemistry from Ohio University, and a PhD in science education and public policy from Ohio State University. And with that impressive background, welcome to the podcast, Will. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, thanks so much again, Will, for taking part in the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. And Will, generally, I'd like to start the podcast off by asking my guests about their journey to tech transfer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in Golden and at the Colorado School of Mines? Uh, sure. It kind of started off, I, when I was a graduate student, I actually started working in the governor's office uh, in science and technology. They had just started that that office in the state of Ohio. Um and once I, I graduated with my PhD, I, I worked there a couple more years. Um, and generally, it was doing tech-based economic development. Uh, we had started what was called the, the third frontier uh, in Ohio. You know, the first frontier was agriculture. Second frontier was manufacturing. We're going to fund the third frontier. So uh, what happened, it ended up being a $1.6 billion investment over 10 years uh, using some of the tobacco funds, if you remember those coming in, um, and, and other things like that, uh, doing bond issues. But right before I left, the gentleman who was running the Ohio State Tech Transfer Office uh, came to me and presented me with a problem that researchers in the state of Ohio who were uh, state employees could not take an equity position in startups that they had helped fund. And this goes back to the Erie Canal days. The, the state got swindled somehow. I, I wasn't really clear on that, but it needed change. So uh, Dave and I went to uh, each of the, most of the legislators, I should say, and got that change so that the schools could manage that conflict instead of uh, the state forbidding it. And then about six months later, gave, gives me a call and says, uh, you help make this mess. Come over here and help clean it up <laughs> because there was certainly some pent up demand for that sort of thing. So I went over um, to the Ohio State Tech Transfer Office, uh, worked there till 2007 or so, 2008. And at 
we we started doing pretty well. We got about two million dollars in revenue, and and you know we had kind of built the office. And I was of the mind, well, what's the, what's next? You know, uh, like like in the West Wing, what's next? What, what <laughs> yeah. are we going to do? And I started thinking about you know what areas do you want to live in? And we had I had a list of about five uh, metropolitan areas. I was like, well, if something comes up in one of those, I'll I'll jump on it. And um, mines came up, uh, looking for a director of tech transfer. Um, it was an opportunity to really build something, uh, you know, because they, they had a very, they had a, somebody doing it at halftime, a retired professor. Oh, wow. Uh, the pub, the, the IP policy hadn't been rewritten since 1990. So, you know, it, it, it was an opportunity to kind of put your stamp and build something yourself. And, and I saw that as a great opportunity. So. And I've been here ever since. Wow, that's really an amazing journey going from state government to, to tech transfer. But as I've seen on this podcast, people get into tech transfer from all different types of backgrounds. So that's really quite an amazing journey. Now, well, I wanted to ask you, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with the Colorado School of Mines, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Sure. Mines uh, was founded uh, in the late 1800s to kind of help train the miners who were going up into the Rocky Mountains to, you know, extract uh, how do how do you build mines, all that sort of thing. And that that sort of tradition has stayed with us. Um, we're, we're very we're very closely tied to the extractive industries, but we certainly have expanded uh, beyond that you know we we do a lot in water we do a lot in quantum computing there's a lot of medical devices now so um why we are true to you know the the tagline earth energy and environment uh it is really a holistic kind of look at science and and how do we how do we do that how do we uh get the technologies out there for um you know the public to use uh, we recently got uh, noted as an R1 uh, institution, so we were pretty proud of that. We have about 5,000 undergraduate students, about 1,500 grad students, probably 250 to 275 uh, active uh, researchers. Um, so it's not a huge campus. Uh, last year, we did about uh, $87 million in research. Um, and we work very closely with uh, NREL, the National Renewable Energies Lab, who's about, you know, three, four miles away. So, um, you know, with that, that, that's really us in a nutshell. Yeah, that's an amazing history of starting out working with miners and then kind of uh, evolving over time. So that that's really interesting. And and one of the things I noticed, well, when I was doing my research for this podcast is that you have a tech transfer advisory board there at the School of Mines. So I was wondering if you could tell us uh, how that board uh, was ultimately formed and the role it plays there in tech transfer. Sure. Well, when I was hired in, Mines didn't have really a, an entrepreneurial spirit. It was really focused on industry and let's help industry. And a lot of the times the technologies just went straight to companies. And if the companies didn't want them, they languished. So uh, the gentleman that hired me said, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how much money you spend. Your job is to change the culture. And part of changing that culture, it was that the foundation gave us a little bit of money for a proof of concept fund. And I didn't want to make those decisions because, number one, I'm not smart enough. And number two, then people are going to 
you know, um, not like me very much and they're not going to send me inventions. So we, we started an outside board, um, with people from the, the local tech community who were involved in early stage capital, um, you know, some in bio, some in oil and gas, have a couple patent attorneys on there. And they really helped in the early stage guide that proof concept process. It has come as we have, you know, done, uh, got that culture change to move. Um, their advice has been, um, you know, exemplary. Uh, I, I can't say good, enough good things. And we don't have that many meetings. I don't believe in wasting people's times having a meeting just to have a meeting. But if I know if I need something, I can reach out to any one of them uh, and they will give me some candid advice, which is exactly what you need. Now, I wanted to go back and ask you a little bit about the tech transfer office there. Can you tell us a little bit more about it and how it's structured? Maybe how many individuals you have? I have myself. That's about it. <laughs> you, yourself, and I type of thing? Yeah, that, that is correct. Uh, staff meetings are short and decisions are made quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I'm a one-person office. Uh, we recently hired a new vice president for research, Walt Copan, who used to run NIST, and he uh, is very involved in tech transfer. So uh, luckily, I have I have somebody to bounce those ideas off of, and not necessarily in the tech transfer office, but we do have a uh, entrepreneurial and innovation center that is uh, really for uh, education of the students. You know, I, I, I mentioned changing the culture here at Minds, and you know, we have been trying to be turn that battleship, but really, what happened was. The undergraduate students came in and said, we want to know about entrepreneurship. We want to learn that. And they would come talk to me and, you know, they own their own inventions. So I don't want to hear exactly what they have to say because they might want to patent it and I don't want a public disclosure. But, you know, we would get around it. But I still have my day job to do of, you know, getting the technologies from the faculty and the, the graduate students out there. So we hired a gentleman who I had actually done a license with when I was at Ohio State. Uh, he had been at Stevenson Institute doing the same thing. And they have stood up that entrepreneurship uh, center. Uh, we just got a donor that gave $19 million for a building for entrepreneurship. And um, so I, I think of those guys down there, um, they're, they're, they have a staff of four people. Uh, and they are my colleagues, but they, they don't get into the nitty gritty about, hey, what, what should the patent strategy be here? And, you know, how are we going to do this? Or who's the best licensee for this? Uh, can we do some due diligence? They really help, though, with the startups because, you know, startups are very time consuming and those sorts of things. And Lord knows how many of them are going to pan out. But teaching people how to do that over and over again, they are great for that. But uh, in the tech transfer office itself, it is just me. So your days are uh, pretty busy, I assume, and, and you're the mighty office of one. Um, and I've had other guests on this podcast uh, who are tech transfer offices of one, and I'm always amazed at how efficient and how much you guys get done. It, it's always very impressive. So, um, and and speaking of impressive, I think as a, a one-person office, I wanted to ask you about metrics, things like new licenses, startup companies formed, invention disclosures, things like that, if you'd be willing to to share some of that information with us. Well, well sure. Um, you know, starting in about oh, 2015, 
we started getting a lot more disclosures. So my first year here, I had 11 disclosures. But uh, since 2015, we've kind of averaged around 50. That's really good growth. Oh, it's it's good growth. And, it you know, if you look at the autumn metrics, that's, you know, twice the number that a university our size should be. But, you know, as a university that's focused on engineering uh, and the physical sciences, I guess it shouldn't be unexpected. So we, we've kind of averaged that. And then in the last, say, since 2017, when we did start the uh, Entrepreneurship Center, we've had uh, probably an average of, of two or three startups per year. You know, my first year here, I maybe had two or three faculty members come to me and ask about, um, you know, startups. Last, last year, I had a, probably, I would guess, around 20. And of course, not all of those are going to be startups, but... Um, you know, it's it's great that they're interested in it and that that we can um, share some of the advice. And sometimes they're like, you know what, from what you've told me, this is not for me. And I'm all like, well, that, that's good to know. Um, licensing income, we usually do, you know, between 100 and 150. Uh, if you compare us to other engineering schools uh, and you focus on the research expenditures, uh, you know, it's it's probably about average. Right now, we have probably around 40 active licenses uh, in, in some sense. So not all of those are revenue ge- generating at this point in time, though. So, well, you've mentioned a little bit about your colleagues who help support startups coming out of the School of Mines there. Um, can you give us a, maybe a little bit more detail about uh, your involvement in supporting startups that come out of the School of Mines? Sure. Um, as I mentioned before, we have the proof of concept funding, um, and the, it's not a lot of money. It's thirty to thirty-five k, but it's overhead free. So, you know, the the faculty members like it. But a lot of those, you you kind of start getting them thinking about commercialization, and what is the plan here? Um, and I I like to think that that has catalyzed a lot of these startups that come through because it gets them in touch with us. They have to have an invention disclosure. And we, we start drilling down on the due diligence and what is your appetite for risk and what do you want to be out of that? With with the POC and with the, the funding that we've had out of that and the success that we've had, um, the foundation approached me about doing a POC too. Uh, sort of like, a, uh, you know, you have to have applied for outside funding. You have to have incorporated. So we're going to start that here very soon. And then we have uh, Minds Fund One, which the foundation is putting together, which has uh, some individual investors in it. And then the foundation's going to put some money in it. And that's going to be a three to five million dollar fund um, that's run professionally. And that is a, a return on investment fund. That is not, you know, the POC is grants. You know, if, if this goes belly up, that's fine. But this is a return on investment. You better have a good corporate structure. You better have a good advisory board, all those sorts of things. We help our startups through pitch preparation. We work with outside entities such as Innisphere, which is an incubator up in, out of Fort Collins. There is a small incubator here in Golden called Traction. We work with Iraqi's Venture Fund. You know, every startup that comes through, it's it's really unique. They're, they're, they all need different things and at different times. So we try not to prescribe too much exactly what they need, but help them find what they need when they when they know what they they need to know. Um, and the 
the gentleman down at the uh, entrepreneurship center, they help them with that intensely. You know, I'm, I'm sort of on the periphery of that, but when they start to get, Hey, we need a mentor here. Uh, that's, that's when they come in and help push these along or, you know, try to get to the quick. No, you know, is this really going to fly? So, well, you've mentioned some funding opportunities that are available for the startups coming out of the School of Mines, but are there other opportunities available as well that you'd like to tell us more about? The state of Colorado has been really good uh, about uh, funding these sorts of things, too. They have the Advanced Industries Program that uh, gives each university an allocation that they can spend on proof of concept as well. And, you know, mine started getting it when when I went down there and showed them, look, we're doing proof of concept ourselves. You should give us a cut of this as well, because mines wasn't really in that game until then. Uh, so we've worked very closely with them on that. And they have, uh, you know, early stage capital for companies. Uh, that's another part of that grant program. And then there's infrastructure, which goes toward a larger uh, projects that really aren't startup related. But, but the state has been very good about that. And we do have a very vibrant um, investment community here, Rocky uh, Ventures, uh, Rocky Mountain Angels. Um, and, you know, a lot of people like to go skiing and, you know, it, why they're on their way to go skiing, why not stop and see what we have? Absolutely. That sounds like a good advertisement. If you're in Colorado and going skiing, stop by the School of Mines and, and see what they're doing and what they have. Yeah. And we, we also do Destination Startup that was started out of CU. It's it's all the research universities here in Colorado, and it's kind of expanded to the Rocky Mountain area. But we have we have a competition of who can get in. And then they go. And last year, I think it was around 40 or 50 companies that out of the universities that pitched to uh, investors who just happened to want to come uh, to Colorado in February. So. That's fantastic. And um, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and ask you about external partners, corporate partners, government partners, and the role there they play in tech transfer at the School of Mines. Can you give us some examples of some relationships you have with some external partners? Well, sure. Uh, NREL is certainly the one that comes to mind the most. Uh, You know, when we have joint appointments with NREL, we have a lot of joint IP with NREL. and additionally, they run um, the I-Corps program for the federal labs, basically, you know, people from Argonne. And so we'll, we'll help out with that. Uh, they're doing what what's now called Westgate, which is going to be a research park on, on the western side of NREL. And it's going to kind of be modeled after Cyclotron Road. And uh, Mines is going to be housing those uh, startup companies and giving them the the business advice for that, uh, myself and the the people down at the Innovation Center here, uh, Entrepreneurship Center. So um, that's certainly one that has b- borne fruit. You know, Mines is a smallish university, but we get more in research funding with NREL than the other two uni- uh, larger universities here. And I think it's proximity. But, you know, we work with, say, the Colorado uh, Bioscience Association. I'm I'm on their board uh, they help with finding, um, you know, making connections. It's it's really a networking opportunity, uh, and particularly with mines where you don't, where we don't have, say, mouse models or animal uh, studies. If we have a medical device that comes out, we generally need to partner with somebody, 
and CBSA has been great about that. We work with um, Colorado Clean Tech Industry Association for a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, renewable energy, but also, you know, say algal biofuels, those sorts of things. So there, there's a rich organization around tech-based economic development here in Colorado. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention CoLabs too, which helps. Uh, you know, besides NREL, there are, I believe, over 30 federal labs here in Colorado. So we like to interact with them and uh, and going to their individual labs to see what they're doing and to see how can we partner uh, with that. You know, the USGS is putting a new building here on campus. Um, uh, the Secretary of Interior, Deb Holland, was just here to, to announce that. And then both of our senators and uh, our representative were here. You know, USGS has been a big um, supporter of mine. You know, if you if you go to the evening news and there's a report of an earthquake and here's what it measured, that measurement was done here at the School of Mines. Oh, really neat. Yeah. Yeah, I never really thought of that before, but yeah, that that's interesting. There certainly have been a lot of those as of late. <laughs> yes. So, well, we're at the fun part of the podcast where I like to ask my guests about their biggest success stories, whether that's successful technology, startups, etc. Could you share some of those with us? Absolutely. Probably um, one that's been in the, the marketplace the longest is a technology that... Um, what you do is you deform a red blood cell and then how it reacts and how it goes back into shape will help tell you, uh, you know, is it diseased or not? And that that has been licensed here for the last 12 years um, and has brought in, you know, uh, around half a million dollars, which is pretty good for us o- over that time period. Uh, and the company that's using it uh, started off very small. They're they're now a, a mid-sized company. So so we like to think that we were part of that. We're, we're certainly not the only technology that's in there uh, at this point in time. Uh, more recently, we had what was uh, a Zwitter ionic gel that's used for. It was originally thought to be used for diabetic wound healing. You know, if you have a diabetic wound. You have to get those dressed every two to three days. This um, gel can help with drug delivery and and it can also speed up the healing in and of itself. And it only has to be redressed probably every two weeks or so. And that one just uh, just closed on a round of a one point six million dollar raise. So we were pretty happy about that. Um, probably our biggest startup was uh, a company called Microphage, which uses uses uh, uh, phage technology in detection of bacteria and those sorts of things. They raised around $33 million. That was one of the first licenses I, I did here. They actually did go bankrupt in 2013, uh, distribution and all sorts of uh, legalese stuff. But we got the technology back. We have relicensed it to a company called Cobio. Uh, they've raised over half a million dollars and have about a million dollars in SBIR. Uh, and they're well on their way to getting that out there. Um, you know, if you want in oil and gas, uh, we have what's called Frac Optimal, uh, which uses um, uh, techno- patented technology for um, 
horizontal wealth of fracking. It's kind of hard to describe without uh, visual aids, but it allows you to frack and refrack uh, a well um, once it's settled down a little bit. And, um, you know, because usually you have to bore through whatever plug you have. Um, and recently they have um, uh, kind of switched and also looked at how can we use this for geothermal. And they've got a, a $5.3 million um, uh, funding opportunity that they, they capitalized on. And now they're just building the prototype because the, the problem a lot of the times in the oil and gas industry is finding somebody that will let you put your prototype down their million dollar well. So uh, but we're, we're very hopeful about that. And we're going to form a company very soon around around that technology as well. So, Will, with great success also comes challenges. So I'm curious to know, what are your office's two biggest challenges? Uh, Well, as we touched on before, probably staffing. You know, there's just not enough hours in the day. I I doubt you'll find a tech transfer office that says they have enough staff. But, you know. I haven't uh, yet. (laughs) Yes. I could be chasing down an inventor for an assignment or a declaration or on a patent. I could be doing patent strategy. Um, you know, somebody's got to go out and market these technologies. So just having enough hours in the day and prioritizing, you know, it's what happens when you are an office of one is that you you tend to throw money at things. And that's probably not the most economical way to do things. But but I would also say besides that is we, we've kind of turned a corner. You know, I, I talked about culture change before in that we, we get lots of disclosures now. Let's get lots of good, you know, complete good disclosures that are actionable and start training the, the, the researchers that this is really what makes this patentable. And if you're just sending me uh, a disclosure because you like the, the plaque on the wall when the patent issues, you know, that that's probably not the one I'm going to file. And it, it's, it takes a little bit of education, though. And and since we've had the pandemic, you know, I haven't been making it out to the labs as much as I would like to. But uh, we're, we're going to be changing that here fairly soon. So probably those two, you know, getting good disclosures and uh, having enough hours in the day and hopefully getting some help here to to address that. So, Will, I wanted to switch gears and ask you about diversity, equity, and inclusion, because this is a topic that's being discussed in tech transfer offices all around the world. I was wondering if you could share with us any programs that your office and the School of Mines has to help encourage and assist women and other traditionally underrepresented inventors and entrepreneurs. Well, I'll have to check the facts, but I believe we have the largest or one of the largest uh, women engineers chapters right now. So that certainly helps. Um, you know, when my daughter was looking at schools, uh, she came to inter- interview at Mines and they were very accepting. They, you know, th- th- they want to up those numbers. It's probably about a third uh, female at this point in time. Um, but with with the tech transfer office where, where I touch it, it's about leading by example and getting speakers who uh, are diverse, uh, you know, female or, or some other minority to come in and talk about this was, this was how I did it. Because, you know, even when a, any entrepreneur comes in, you know, I haven't done that myself. I've, I've watched people, but 
having people say, this is my story. This is what I came up against. I think that's very powerful. And if you can find somebody that, that you look up to that uh, strikes a note in you, I, I think that's even even better. It, the, the problem becomes, of course, these days is getting people to come out to those. So we're having biweekly sessions uh, at the Entrepreneurship Center uh, for people interested in startups to hear people talk about what their journey through entrepreneurship has been. Um, as, as far as w- what I do is, is basically go out and, and get the inventions. So whoever's out there, that's what I do. But whoever chooses, we want to make sure that, that they're all uh, get the same sort of treatment. Let's put it that way. So, Will, I wanted to switch gears again and ask you what organizations you're involved in and the value you think they add. Well, um, I've been involved in Autumn for a long time. I've been on the the annual meeting committee a, a couple uh, tours. Uh, right now, I'm on the Western Regional Committee. I'm also on the Small Office Committee. I had been on the Public Policy Committee, but I haven't been able to keep up with that. So, um, you know, Autumn is great for for all sorts of things. Um, you know, just, hey, can I find some comparable royalties or let's pick somebody's brain about certain things. Let's let's ask the listserv about this or, you know, helping other people out, you know, other small offices. I'm happy to share like my templates or, or how this is what works for me. Um, of course, Autumn is a is an interesting organization in that it's mainly tech transfer, university tech transfer people. You go to some place like LES, or I just went to the UIDP in, in Atlanta, um, and you, you hear, well, this is what's wrong with university tech transfer. And sometimes they're right, and sometimes they don't have the whole story. But it's always good to engage in those conversations so that people understand what you do and what your limitations are. You know, I had I had companies telling me uh, at a couple conferences, well, you should just give us the IP if we pay for it. And and I had to sit them down and explain to them, this is Colorado law. This is what we can and cannot do. Uh, if we were private, maybe there'd be a different conversation. But these are our limitations. And if you want to access the the vast expertise that we have, these are the rules we have to play by. Well, I generally like to close the podcast by asking my guests if they could have any three wishes granted or a vision realized for their office, what would that be? Well, um, as I mentioned, there's Minds Fund One that's coming. And what I my sort of wish is that we give them uh, adequate deal flow to make that a worthwhile um, uh, project. I, I think we're there um, with with the help of my friends again down at the Entrepreneurship Center with the new vice president. I think that people are going to be excited about uh, entrepreneurship and, and startups. Probably second is that I would I would like to have better relate, not relations, but be able to go out and network more. I know some of these technologies um, have places in the marketplace. It's just a matter of being able to go out and do that work and find the right people. Uh, I guess that ties back to, you know, having enough hours in the day and where do you spend your day? Um, and, and probably third is just so that minds continues to grow. You know, when I started 
we were doing around 40 to $50 million worth of research a year. Last year, we were up to 87. This year, um, fingers crossed, we may crack 100. So with that becomes, you know, how, how do we manage that growth in the, not only in tech transfer, but in the research office, you know, we're, we're, we just got R1 status. So how do we maintain that? How do we take care of the researchers that come to Minds? How do we take care of the researchers that are already here at Minds? And that's a holistic approach besides just tech transfer. But hey, uh, how do we make sure they have the space they need? How do we make sure that the contracts that they do with the federal government and our, our industry partners are done quickly and, and we can explain them uh, correctly? So that that's probably the the last thing is just to make sure that minds continues to grow and does so in a in a healthy and productive way well well i can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today this has been an absolute pleasure i've really enjoyed having you on the podcast if any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions where can they reach you they can email me uh my email is uh w v a u g h a n at minds.edu Always happy to to take questions, uh, talk to people. As I told my boss, you know, one of the um, one of the hallmarks of tech transfer is you never turn down a meeting because you never know what's going to come out of it. So, absolutely. Well, thank you so much again, Will. This has been really great to have this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and align on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.